Howdy, guys. Welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean with Sacred City Church, and this is episode 14. Thank you for joining us today. And um, I would just right away before we jump into our topic of the day, I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes um, and give us a like or go to Facebook, give us a like, rate us. It helps other people find us. Um, and that would be really great. So if you could do that, uh, you could like, comment, or share. It would do um, a lot of good for us just getting this content out to more people. But with that said, we're going to roll right into episode number 14. And at the beginning of a new year, many of us are thinking about goals. We're thinking about changing our life. We're thinking about cha- developing new habits. We're, we're thinking about making these changes. Um, but there's a lot of obstacles in the way. And um, I don't really want to add just something, you know, I don't want to hit that topic on, on goals again. It's kind of boring. Many of us are kind of probably played out and we're just tired of talking about it. But all of us would probably say when we look at our life, there's things that we don't like and there's things that we want to change. And all of us started somewhere and we can't go back and change the beginning. We can't go back and change where we started, whether we grew up in poverty or grew up in riches, whether we grew up in Iowa or Texas or wherever it was, uh, whether we had godly parents or ungodly parents, we can't go back and change the beginning. Um, But we can start where we are and we can really change the ending. We can change where we end up. Um, And so I want to talk about how to change our future. And I want to talk about it in 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 a kind of a process, like the process to change your future. And as I've been praying a lot about this over the last few months, really, preparing for 2019 and asking God what he would have for me in 2019, he has just kept bringing up this scripture verse um, in 2 Peter chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and read this because this is where I'm getting kind of this whole process from. First off, Second Peter chapter 1. Simeon, Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So Peter is writing the book, Second Peter. Peter, if you remember, the apostle who needed change, the apostle who had a lot, well, that was bold, um, had a big mouth, put his foot in his mouth a lot, but when uh, the time came, he did what he said he would never do, and that was walk away from Jesus, abandon Jesus, bail on Jesus. So Peter had some things in his life that he definitely needed to change. And so I think Peter knew something about the process to change, the process to uh, becoming a man that's different than the man that he was. So we're going to look into this a little bit. Peter says this, To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Peter is writing to Christians. Today, I'm talking to Christians, people who have already put their faith in Jesus Christ. And because of... Uh, the grace of God through the work of Jesus Christ, we can have the righteousness of God and Savior of Jesus Christ. We get counted righteous. Praise God for that. Peter goes on, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now he jumps right into it. So, God's divine power has granted to us, that is, to Christians, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, or because of this, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Now, what is virtue? Virtue is the excellence of character. In Plato's Republic, which was written in 380 BC, the four cardinal virtues are wisdom, 
temperance, courage, and justice. And these virtues were common knowledge throughout the Greco-Roman world. And as Peter here is writing um, from first century Rome, his readers would have known what he meant by virtue. Okay, he's, they would have thought, okay, Peter is telling us to be wise, to be temperate, that means to have self-control, to be courageous, and to be just. Now, this word virtue, it, it's, it, he's not saying, Peter's not saying that just do these things occasionally, occasionally do just things, or occasionally do wise things, make wise decisions. No, he's saying become a virtuous person. Add to your faith virtue. So don't just be a faithful person. Be a good faithful person, okay? Practice these virtues until you become virtuous, all right? Um, Commentator uh, Peter Davids says of this verse, quote, We do not automatically become more virtuous as if God infused virtue into us intravenously, we need to make plans and expend effort, right? And we see that in our passage where he says, make every effort, all right? So N.T. Wright says this about virtue. He says, virtue is what happens when wise and courageous choices become second nature, okay? So here we have Peter saying, Christian who've put their faith in Jesus Christ Make every effort to add to your faith virtue, a quality of character, uh, a nature of being that is good, right? And then Peter goes on to give a long list kind of of other virtues. This this is called a virtue list in verses 5 through 7. He says this, and add virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. So these are the things that Christians are meant to become. So as we think about our new year and think about the the future version of ourselves, we're thinking about the people that we want to become. We want to become virtuous, good, self-controlled, godly, loving people. No real surprise here for us. But why do we do this? What's the point? God already loves us. God's already forgiven us. What's the point? Well, look at verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, that means they're constantly growing, constantly getting more virtuous, constantly getting more godly. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say it this way. Growing in godliness, adding virtue to our faith, keeps us from wasting our life, okay? It keeps us from being ineffective and unfruitful. Now, I don't know if it's just my personality type, but those two words are anathema to me. Those two words are everything that I want to avoid in my life. I want to avoid being unfruitful, and I want to avoid being ineffective. In fact, when I think about my life, fruitfulness... And effectiveness are two of the highest goals that I have for my life. And so here, Peter's given us a three-step process to not wasting our life, right? I want to see these three things from this passage. I'm calling it the gospel guide to the better you. I almost said this is your best life now, gospel version, all right? These are the three things I want you to see. And they they need to go in this order, okay? One, God has given the Christian everything they need for life and godliness. This is gospel-centered. This is um, grace taking the first step, grace coming after us, God coming after us. So if you've placed your faith in Jesus and you've believed the gospel, you have, by nature of relationship with him you and the nature of the Holy Spirit coming into you, you have everything spiritually necessary to be fruitful and effective in your life right now. This is all grace. Now listen, that means you've got the seed version of everything you need, okay? Now, if you grew up on the wrong side of track, if you grew up with undisciplined parents, if you grew up with people that didn't know how to handle money and didn't know how to have self-control, more than likely you grew up without self-control. 
When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been given the spiritual resources necessary to change, but that does does not mean God has intravenously given these things to you and they're going to grow to fruition without step two. Step two is faith isn't enough. You got to get to work, all right? You've got to get to work. So we're saved by faith alone, right? We're saved by, I'm sorry, grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But faith that faith never stays alone, right? Stay, faith never stays by itself. The scripture here tells us to make every effort to add to our faith virtue. Make every effort. Dallas Willard has famously said, grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action, right? So when Peter says here, you've been given everything you need for life and godliness, he's saying you've been given the resources, you've been given the Holy Spirit, you've, you've got everything you need, but those things need to be worked out. So another scripture says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What's he saying? What God has worked into you, you must work out. We have got to get to work. We have to make every effort to grow into the people that God's called us to be, to be virtuous, godly, loving, self-control type people. All right, that's step two. Step three, when you screw up and fail and you take an inventory of your life and you realize that you lack these qualities. So when you go through this list and you realize, uh, I'm not a virtuous person. You know what? I don't have the self-control like I think I should have, like a godly person should have. When you realize that you failed in brotherly love or you failed in steadfastness, you gave in to temptation or um, you, you, you gave in to the temptation to sin. What do you do? Do you throw your hands up and say, I'm not a Christian? Obviously, I'm not a Christian. Obviously, I don't have the Holy Spirit. Obviously, no, that's not what you do. Look at verse nine. For whoever lacks these qualities, okay? So whoever isn't steadfast, doesn't have virtue, on and on, listen, is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. This is what Peter's saying. You've been given everything you need for life and godliness. Now go get after it. Work hard. Figure it out. Grow up. Mature. Become godly. Put, it's going to take every ounce of energy you've got. But when you look at your life and you realize you suck, when you look at your life and you realize, I'm an idiot, I'm weak, I didn't have the self-control, I didn't have the willpower, I failed this thing again, you go back to step one and you remember the gospel, that God saved me, not because of my good works, but because of the works of Jesus, that God called me, God chose me, God pursued me, God saved me, knowing how big of a sinner I am. Now listen, this is the three-step process from becoming a better you, all right? This is it over and over and over and over a million times in your life, you have to believe the gospel, see that what Jesus has already done for you, that you've got everything you need for life and godliness. Second, you got to work your butt off. And three, when you fall short, you go back to step one and you remember the gospel. All right? Now, that's the, that's the three-step process. That simple. New year, new you. Boom. Do it. But I wish it was that simple. What I want to do in the rest of this episode is to help you make a plan for step two. Making every effort. Now, there's a lot of different ways that you can make every effort. And some of them are futile. Some of them are poor. Some of them are foolish. Um, There's a lot of ways to train for a marathon Some of them are positive. Some of them are not. If you go to try to run a marathon right now, I'm going to train for a marathon. I'm going to to start tomorrow and I'm going to run a marathon. That is a bad plan. You're going to injure yourself. You're going to get hurt. You're going to give up. Many of us, 
we understand that we need to get after it, that we need to work hard, but we don't, we don't have a plan for that. We don't have a process for that. We don't know what that really looks like. Okay. And so what I want to do is give us a plan, a process. I'm not saying it's the only one. I'm not saying it's the best one. Um, but I think it's a good one. I think it could be helpful for us. So this is a plan for you, for us to make every effort to supplement our faith with virtue this year. That in 2020, we'll look back on 2019 and say, yes, I grew in patience this year. Yes, I grew in self-discipline this year. Yes, I grew in self-control. Yes, I grew in godliness. And um, that's because we've um, applied and worked out this process. So I'm going to drill down into this step two and tease out some of its implications because I think that's where most of us, many of us often screw up. We often go wrong. Um, and we aren't great at making every effort in a systematic way. We just kind of hope that we become more virtuous. We hope like somehow we're going to become better people and we're going to get more self-control somehow. We don't actually has, have a systematized plan to accomplish that. Uh, many of us think, and I've talked to many people that kind of think that they're on some kind of conveyor belt towards spiritual maturity, that they're just kind of going through the factory and hopefully somebody's going to add the right pieces to them and they're going to encounter the right circumstances. And then the other side of this conveyor belt, they're just going to come out virtuous. Um, and, and when you can even read scriptures and say that God's promises to protect us and pr God promises to, to finish what he started in us. And we can think, well, okay, then I guess I'm on this con godly conveyor belt that God's just going to eventually do everything he needs to do in me. And, you know, I just can sit back and relax and wait till the end of my life. But that's not how the Bible teach, teaches about growing in godliness or, or sanctification or uh, making every effort to live like we're on a conveyor belt and our spiritual growth is inevitable, it is to deny our own agency, our the, the, the willpower, the, the involvement that God had, the, our own involvement in our sanctification, it's to deny that. Um, it's, it's ultimately, if you get down to it, it's fatalistic, and it just isn't biblical. It's like whatever is whatever's going to be will be, and I just can just sit back and, and you know, my DNA and, and uh, my upbringing and uh, all of that is going to determine who I'm going to be. No, 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 no. God has freed us. He's cut the root of sin in our life. He's given us the spiritual resources necessary. He's putting us even in a new community of faith, a new family that's got new rhythms and new DNA that's meant to inspire us to uh, make every effort so we can... Uh, move forward from today and change our future. Now, so I'm going to break this down. What does it look like to make every effort? I'm going to break it down again in three simple steps. Now, they're simple, but none of them are easy. Uh, I'm going to get right into it. Here's the, the three steps to making every effort to become the person God has called you to become. Three steps, vision, strategy, and tactics. Now, just to give credit where credit is due, I got this kind of taxonomy from my good friend, Paul Maxwell, from his podcast called Selfwire, and he riffed off um, another podcast, and, and uh, of course, the, um, the author of uh, Atomic Habits, and I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. Um, and so a lot of this information is kind of coming from them, or this taxonomy is coming from them. And uh, so we're going to break down, break this down: vision, strategy, tactics. And I'm also going to um, attach a worksheet to help you work through this on your own. Um, you can take the worksheet and use it, or you can adjust it to your own. But a lot of times, people want to have something in their hand, and so I, I've made that available to you. It'll be in the show notes of this podcast. Or you can email me at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com and I can get it to you personally. So here we go. Three steps to making every effort to becoming the person God has called you to become. Vision, strategy, tactics. Okay, vision. This is really um, just reverse engineering your life. Okay, vision is what is the vision you have of your life? If you look down 25 years from now, what do you want your life to look like? Who do you want to be? I'm going to just share me personally. When, when I answer that question, the vision that I have for my life, I want to be a faithful 
Christian husband. I want to be a faithful, loving, kind father. Engaged. I want to be an engaged father. I want to be a faithful and competent pastor. I want the people who know me the best to love me the most. I want to be physically fit. I want a black belt in jujitsu. I want to be physical, physically active every day. I want to be an expert in church planting and theology. And I want to be pouring myself into the next generation of younger men and younger pastors and younger husbands. I want my kids to know and love Jesus and have the character necessary to succeed in life. I want to have an emotionally fulfilling relationship with my wife. I want to have the financial freedom to no longer have to receive a paycheck from the church. Right? Now, I'm just, this is a, a, a process of visioning my life down the road. And it's sometimes it's the hard, if, especially if you grew up without um, men or women to aspire, to, to inspire you and role models to aspire to, this is sometimes the hardest part because you've never seen it. You've never seen somebody who wasn't abusive. You've never seen somebody who wasn't, who wasn't, their anger wasn't out of control. You've never seen somebody who poured into their kids and knew how to disciple their children. And so sometimes the hardest part is the visionary aspect of this, actually envisioning a future you that's better than the you right now. And this year, as I was working through some things to plan my year out, I came across um, a thing by Michael Hyatt that was had basically 10 major components of your life. It wasn't nothing too profound, but it was a, it was a great way to break it down. And I'm just going to go through it real quick. He said, when you're thinking about your life, you should have goals in every one of these areas. Okay, You should have aspirations in every one of these areas. You should have a vision for your life in all these areas. Spiritual. It's your relationship with God and his church. Intellectual, your engagement with significant ideas and concepts. We we should desire to be learners our whole life. When you stop learning, you you start moving backwards, you start dying. Emotional, this is your psychological health, your emotional health. Um, Physical, your body. Marital, your spouse or significant other. Parental, your children, if you have any. Social, your friend and associates. Vocational, your profession. Avocational, your hobbies and pastimes. We should all have things that we enjoy doing, things that we're learning, things that we're you know being physically fit and being active and whatever. And then lastly, financial, your personal or family finances. So in the PDF that I've attached to this, I've broken all of those down for you, all right? And what I want you to do is I want you to go, th- I want you to spend some time thinking about that, dreaming up a vision for your future self, something that's in line with what God's called you to do, something that's in line with um, scripture, obviously, and start thinking about some goals and some, you know, what do you want, what do you want that to look like down the road, 25 years down the road? You know, what's your relationship with God look like? What's your, uh, what have you learned? What have you studied? What have you become an expert in? What, What's your emotional life look like? How physically fit are you? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so that's the visionary piece. We got to know where we're going. We can't make a plan if we don't know where we're going, right? So let's set the vision. Second comes the strategy. And here's the deal. When, when When we're trying to figure out this process, the ultimate goal is to be taking one step towards that future you every day. Another way of saying that is we need to be getting 1% better every day. I want to get 1% smarter. I want to get 1% more emotionally healthy. I want to get 1% stronger. I want to know my children 1% better today than I did that yesterday, right? I want to get 1% better at my job today than I was yesterday. So the reality is the future version of yourself isn't just discovered, right? It's built bit by bit day by day, week by week. So what that means for us is once we get a 25-year vision of who we want to be down the road, that 25-year vision needs to be broken down into a 10-year vision, a one-year vision, 
a monthly vision, maybe a daily or a weekly vision, and then maybe a daily vision. Those things have got to get broken down because if I can't make turn it into a daily practice today where I can get one percent better, then I'm it's just a wish, and I'm never actually going to get to become that person that's that I want to see 25 years down the road. So the strategy aspect of this system is to go back through the 10 component components of your life and write out a strategy for accomplishing each one. Okay. What I mean by that is, okay, I want to be physically healthy. Cool. That's a great goal. Uh, well, actually, no, it's not a great goal. Physical healthy is too big and too broad of a goal. I need to put some parameters on that. Um, I want to be able to wrestle with my son when he's 18 and hold my own with him, right? Or I want to be uh, able to do a marathon. Those are more more concrete goals. All right, the next step is what's the system, right? What's the process? How How am I going to accomplish that? There's a lot of different ways to get physically fit, right? I need to decide on a system. For me, one of the ways to get physically fit is the system is CrossFit. CrossFit is broad. It's different every day. It keeps me interested. It's only an hour a day. I, um, I can go in and get out. It's an intense. It's it's scientifically proven. Um, it's a it's a simple way to get fit. So that's my system for being one of my components of my system of being physically healthy is CrossFit. Okay, that's uh, my strategy for CrossFit. Now the, the the goal is to go through each one of these and work out the strategy, right? So if here's here's one that's pretty self-explanatory maybe. Vision. I want a vibrant walk with Christ and his church. I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a, a, a true disciple. Well, what do I need to do there? I need to get into that system. I need to get into the the appropriate strategy, right? What, what's the strategy? Well, well, Jesus gave us the strategy and that's gospel, community, and mission. I need to be a part of his church. I need to be reading his word. I need to be praying. It's no big surprise. And so I, that's my system. I need to do those things. Okay, and once we get down to the tactics, we'll get down to how do I execute those things? What do those things look like? What time of day? Where am I going to be? How am I going to do it? Okay? Now, before I break this down a little bit further, I, I want us to think about ways that we fail with our vision or how to fix it. So some of us, we, we have, we don't know how to start where we are and change, change our behaviors moving towards the future. So how do we do this? Well, this is, this is, this is there are three primary ways to fix failures of vision. One, you take stock of your life. Okay, you need to do a cold, hard assessment. Are you physically fit? You can be like, no, you know what? I'm not physically fit. I am unhealthy. I am out of shape. I have no self-control. You have to take a stock, you have to take stock of your life if you're going to be able to make the changes necessary to move forward. Okay. Two, you did need to determine your non-negotiable. Right? Who do I want to become? All right, I want to be physically fit. Boom. That's my non-negotiable. I want to honor God with my body. Non-negotiable. I'm not going to argue about this. Okay? And then three, you're going to have to navigate criticism. People are going to criticize you. You're going to have internal criticism. You're going to have all kinds of things speaking against you, negative thoughts, and you're going to have to battle that constantly. All right? These are, when we're changing the vision of our life, these are the three things that we have to do. One, we have to have an honest, take honest stock of our life. And every one of these categories, where is my marriage at right now? Is it rough? Is it a rough patch? Is it emotionless? Is it passionless? Take us honest stock. Determine your non-negotiable. Where do you want to end up? I want a passionate, godly marriage 25 years down the road. Okay, cool. Right? You've got to do that. And now you just navigate criticism. Well, that's not possible. Well, it's too difficult. Well, you've always been like this. You can't change. You've got to navigate that. Right, you've got to get through that. We got to find our way through that. Those are three ways to fix our failures of vision. Okay, now strategy. So vision is where I want to go. Strategy is what, right? That's the question. What do I want to do um, for becoming a disciple of Jesus? Well, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to attend church weekly. I'm going to be a productive member of a missional community. Now, if we look at our life, we go, okay, I'm not doing those things. All right. There are three primary ways to fix failures of strategy. One, I love it. Launch it quickly. 
That means when you're looking at your life and you realize the strategy you have for your life is not conducive to being a disciple, okay, you've got to change your strategy. You've got to start reading your Bible. You've got to start going to church weekly. You've got to start being a member of a missional community. Well, I don't really know how. You're right, you don't. Just start it quickly. Launch it quickly. Second, you do it cheaply. You do it as cheaply as possible. You know, for this example, um, you don't have to buy anything, right? You don't, it doesn't really make sense for this this example, but if you're talking about getting in health, getting healthy and getting fit, um, any strategy violently, I think it was Patton who said this, any strategy violently executed is better better than the, the, the perfect plan executed tomorrow or down the road or whatever, right? So when you're getting physically fit, just get after it right now. Whether that means going for a walk, whether whatever it means, get after it now. Do it cheaply. Don't buy a thousand dollar exercise bike if you're not if you're not working out, right? That's that's um, a bad strategy. Uh, do it cheaply. Three, revise it rapidly. When it comes to strategy, see when you, if you have a poor vision, that's a big deal. Right. If you've got a poor vision of your life, that's a big deal. That needs to be attacked, and you need to get a better vision, a more compelling vision for your life. Um, and you don't. Once you get that, you don't want it to change. You want to stick. No matter if you fail in executing your your strategies and your tactics, you want to keep your vision the same. I want to be healthy. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to be a loving husband. Those things really don't change very much. But your strategy, your strategy, you've got to be willing to revise it rapidly. Okay. You know what? Spin class isn't working for me. I've got to change that. Um, walking in the morning isn't working for me. Um, trying to do yoga in the afternoon, that's not working for me. Revise your strategy, change the strategy, trying to read my Bible with my kids around. That's not working for me. I'm going to have to wake up early. So when it comes to our strategy, launch it quickly. So try new things, get out there, get after it Two, do it cheaply. Don't Buy expensive things and, and think that that's somehow going to motivate you to, to apply a new strategy. And then three, revise it rapidly. Just um, be willing to change and try different things to accomplish that long-term vision. Okay. Now, third. So first, we have vision. Second, we have strategy. Three is tactics. Now, this is the how. Okay. All right. The vision of becoming a disciple of Jesus my life up until this point has not been following Jesus. I attend church rarely. I read my Bible rarely. I don't, I'm not a part of a missional community. Well, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. That's a great goal. That's a great vision for your life. Do it. Okay, the strategy is, I see I'm a part of Sacred City, gospel, community, and mission. All right, that's cool. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get after it. All right, now how? For many of us who've been around for a while, we forget that there's an actual a tactical problem here. Because many people that start coming to our church, they work on, they've got, they're scheduled to work on Sunday. They've never requested Sundays off from their boss, ever. They've never put missional community life in their calendar. Maybe they don't even have a calendar. Maybe they're used to just having the freedom to do whatever they want after work every single night of the week, right? Maybe um, they're embarrassed to come to missional community because they forget to go grocery shopping and buy something uh, to bring to missional community and they don't want to bring it to missional, or they don't want to come to missional community empty-handed, empty-handed, right? Maybe they don't have a Bible. They don't even have a, a good Bible that's readable, right? So there's all these different things that could be tactical problems that the strategy is good. I want to read my Bible and I want to go to church and I want to uh, pray, but they're ta- tactically, um, they have poor tactics. So this is where I, I have to learn how to put it into my calendar. I have to maybe put reminders in my phone. I have to request for Sunday off work. I have to ask someone to meet me there. Hey, man, I want to go to Missional Community. I'll meet you there Tuesday night. And that little, that tactical um, approach of telling someone else I'm going to be there, that enables me to do it. One one little tactic I have, something that I've started that's relatively new, is I realized... um, I wanted to do. I wanted more silence and solitude, and I wanted to do some some things that I couldn't get done during the day. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna start waking up really early in the morning. And for me, that that meant 4:30 a.m. And I didn't know if I could do it. Um, I always wake up and feel tired. I'm a morning person, but I feel tired. I feel like I didn't get enough sleep. And and I thought one of the things I'm gonna do is I talked to another buddy, and I said, you know what, dude, I'm gonna try this 4:30 thing. He'd been doing it, and I said. Um, I'm going to take a picture of my phone or my watch. I'm going to take a picture of my watch every morning as a cue for me. 
It's a tactic. Like I'm going to wake up and take a picture on my phone. And that's just like holding myself accountable to waking up early. And surprisingly, it's got me out of bed several days when I didn't want to get out of bed because I knew I don't want to miss that today. I want to take that picture. That's just some weird little tactic in my brain that I wanted to do. Okay. Now, when you're developing your tactics for whatever it is you want to, in all your 10 areas in your life that you're wanting to grow in, this is what you want to do. You want to, one, write down your process, okay? You want to record your process. Um, you need to write it down. How am I going to accomplish this? Like, uh, how am I going to read my Bible? And the tactics are, are they get so small. They get so minuscule. Um, you know, it, they can be as, as small, small as setting your alarm clock across the room so you have to get up and get out of bed and then setting a glass of water by your phone. So when you get up and you get out of bed, you drink that glass of water and that one little thing helps you wake up. It literally helps you wake up and, and not go back to bed. It might be um, sitting your Bible out and um, getting all your coffee ready in the morning so you just have to stumble up and... Um, get you know, push a button on your coffee maker. Get your coffee. You sit down at your favorite chair. You're up before dawn. You're up before all the kids. You're up before everybody's stirring, and you've already got your stuff. And that enables you to read your Bible. That enables you to work through the Bible. That might be a tactic that you need to do. So write that down. Secondly, you need to. This is something that that I've started doing. You need to measure your outcomes. Um, you need to have daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly outcomes that you're tracking. Many people have many um, people have been studying how to develop habits. And one of the things that helps develop habits is that you track it um, daily. You're seeing, is it working, right? You're testing it. Um, and, and you just mark it off. So if you're wanting to work out three days a week, that you actually put a little X on the calendar every day that you work out. Um, many people call this the the Seinfeld approach to change because Jerry Seinfeld is famously, his goal was to obviously write a great show in Seinfeld, but to, in order to do that, he knew he needed to write at least one joke a day. And so that was his goal, to write one joke a day. And every day that he accomplished his goal to write one joke, he would put an X on the calendar. And eventually what this does is you don't want to stop the process. You don't want to stop. You see all those X's in a row and you don't want to stop it. You want to keep working and keep getting after it. And so it helps build momentum and build success on top of other success. All right. And now third, review and adjust your tactics. So record your process, measure your outcomes, three, review and adjust your tactics. Now, this is uh, many people, we fail when we're trying to accomplish our goals and we're trying to become the people that we're going to become, want to be. We fail in many different ways. We fail with visionary things. We don't, we don't dream big enough. We don't have uh, godly ambitions for our life. Secondly, we fail strategically. We just, we just had bad plans. We had bad strategies. And thirdly, I think most commonly, we just fail in our tactics. You know, we just got to find what works for us and we've got to fail, get back up, try something different. Try a different time of day. Try in uh, just, you know, a different life hack or whatever, whatever thing that we're looking at. So review and adjust your tactics. Um, all of these categories in our life need us to be, to have a big vision out there that's pulling us toward it. Um, a telos that's pulling us to become more virtuous people. But we also need to have a strategy of how we're going to accomplish it. So, like, okay, a parental strategy, to parenting our children. How are we going to parent? What is that going to look like? How I want to have um, an intimate relationship with, with my kids. What's that going to look like? Well, obviously, for me, I, I've got different strategies, all right? Um, my strategy is, first off, uh, being gospel-centered, and then I've got a lot of different tactics that go along with that. I've got daddy dates that I take each of my kids on. Um, on these daddy dates, I'm trying to figure out who they are. I'm trying to figure out their dreams. I'm trying to, to pump some vision into them and who they could be, you know, if they follow God and if they develop self-control and if they follow Jesus. Um, I'm, I'm trying to figure them out. I'm trying to give them a vision for their life. I'm also trying to help them see 
and develop a discipleship plan for their life. So these daddy dates are kind of a crucial strategy for me. But then I've got other things. I've got, I got a, um, a donuts with dad. I take all my kids every Saturday, uh, just a time with me. I've been doing it literally for seven years. Every Saturday, we go get donuts. We just hang out, just spend time together. Um, we read the Bible to our kids. We do family devotions to our kids. Um, we pray with our kids. These are all kind of strategy. These are all big picture strategies, but the tactics of how we do it are constantly changing. Sometimes we read the Bible at, at dinner time. Sometimes we read the Bible at bed. Sometimes we read the Bible at breakfast. Sometimes we listen to the Bible. Sometimes we watch Bible stuff on YouTube. Um, the tactics are constantly changing and we're always assessing, right? We're always quick to try new things. We're, we're measuring how are things going? How are the kids responding to it? Where are they at spiritually? Um, are, are they developing some virtues in their life? Um, and then we're reviewing and adjusting our tactics constantly. So <clears throat> those are kind of three avenues that we've got. We've got vision, strategy, tactics. Um, and you can work those out on that spreadsheet that I sent you. Um, but this is kind of where the rubber meets the road. And I don't want to go too long today. Uh, here, here, why, you might be saying, well, I get that. But you know what, Justin, I've tried it. And it just doesn't work for me. And, I, and at the point now, I've failed so many times that I'm just tired of even setting goals. I'm tired of even dreaming about things. I'm trying to have a vision for my life. Well, somewhere along the way, I heard this statement that what you accomplish by striving towards your goals is not near as important as who you become along the way, right? Honestly, it doesn't really matter in the long term, if you read your Bible every single day, what matters is if you become a, a person who knows God's word, knows God through the word, and has been changed by his word into a virtuous person. And guess what? If by striving to read the Bible every day, let's say I'm going to set the bar really low here. Let's say you only do that every other day. I think that's a worthwhile goal. Even if you were only at 50%, that's a failure in school, right? That's an F in school. You failed at your goal, right? You only did it half the time. How pathetic, how shameful. But you know what? That means you read the Bible near, you know, whatever that is, 175 plus days out of the year. And you're, you're, that's still going to have a positive effect on you, who you're going to become by failing at that goal is still better than who you would become if you hadn't set the goal. See what I'm saying? So let's still set some goals. Let's still go after some goals. Now, as you're setting these goals, these goals need to be compelling, that they kind of get you out of bed, they inspire you. And they need to be, so we could say they need to be aspirational, but they don't need to be impossible. Um, if you're young, you're more tempted towards um, delusional goals, right? Uh, I, I want to be an NFL football player. Well, that's not in the cards for Justin Dean, right? I weigh 165 pounds. That's not going to happen. Um, and so when you're setting these goals, don't set them so sky high that they're literally delusional, right? Set them, make them aspirational, but make them attainable, Um but I, I've said before, I like to set my goals high enough that they stretch and challenge me so that even if I fail them um, and I don't quite accomplish this, I'm still winning. I'm still becoming a better person for it. I'm still growing in grace. But I don't want to set them so high that they crush me and they're impossible and you never see yourself uh, making any progress, right? So um, it's kind of a big process. A big. Hopefully you can work through that on your own. Um, but I want to do two quick things before we close down this pro um, podcast. I think it's important to work through all those 10 categories, to work all of this out, to have a vision for all these areas in your life, to put some kind of rough strategy together, to put some tactics together. But to be honest, if you really want to change your life, the first thing that you've got to do is take stock of where you're at and your level of discipline, right? How, I'm going to say this, 
How fit are you? If you are eating unhealthy and you've been sitting on the couch, you've been living a sedentary life, you can't go from that to, to running a marathon, right? And neither can you, and, it, and honestly, more than likely, that lack of self-discipline has went to other areas of your life. You're pro- you probably lack discipline in your finances. You probably lack, dis- lack discipline in your Bible reading plan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you can look at yourself, and, and it's not just with fitness. Fitness is just an example. But if you're looking at your life and you go, you know what? I am low on self-control. I am not a very disciplined person. Well, you've got to take stock of where you're at in your life. And you can't try to do all 10 of these things, all 10 of these strategies, all 10, all these tactics at the same time. That would be setting yourself up for failure, right? There's no way you're going to be able to do it. What you, what you need to do, um, so I'm, I'm speaking to people all over the board. I'm speaking to people who have been Christians for a long time and they've got a lot of self-control and they've been crushing it in the gym and they've been crushing it at home and they've been working hard and getting after it and they want to go to the next level, right? And so I want to set this podcast, you know, give you some aspirational goals for you guys to get after it. But I hear many people that they see my go- Justin Dean's goals and they're like, that's stupid. That's crazy. There's no way. And they feel defeated by my goals and, and what I have in my life. <clears throat> and I don't want to, I don't want anyone to feel like that. I want you to be inspired. Um, but some of us are just getting into this thing and we don't know how um, to get started. And hey, if that's you, Here's what you do. You start with one or two keystone habits. Keystone habits. Now listen, I'm taking this from the, the book, the new book, Your Future Self Will Thank You, Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> it's by, by uh, uh, Drew Dick. He says this, quote, Not all habits are created equal. Some habits... In addition to changing one behavior, encourage better behavior in other areas of your life as well. Researchers call them keystone habits. And they have a synergistic effect. They shift, dislodge, and remake other patterns. Making additional healthy habits more likely to form. Exercise is a well-known keystone habit. When people start exercising regularly, they also have more patience, less stress, and become more productive at work. They also typically start eating healthier. Having family dinners is another keystone habit. Studies have shown that when families observe the increasingly rare ritual of gathering to eat together, their children's emotional control and performance at school improves. What about spiritual keystone habits? There are at least three spiritual practices that qualify. Prayer, Bible reading, church attendance. Okay, so this is, this is what he's getting at. And this is what scientific brain research is showing, and this is what we've, been, we've known for centuries in the, in the church. There are some keystone habits, right? So you can't, you, you can't start with all of them, but start with these keystone habits. Working out is, is a keystone habit. It's something that if you start doing it consistently, it's going to kind of produce other habits that are good for you eating healthy, having self-control, having more discipline, okay? Spiritual keystone habits are the same way. Reading your Bible, prayer, being a part of a community. These are things to start with. And if you start with them, they tend to spread into other habits and they help you develop other habits, okay? So here's the the three-step process that I want us to do right now. One, take stock of your level of discipline. Okay, just say, all right, you know what? I'm not very disciplined at all. Um, I don't read my Bible. I don't pray. I very even rarely go to church. I don't work out, all right, et cetera, et cetera. You go down the list, all right? What do you want to develop? Start with one or two keystone habits, okay? You might say, all right, here's another keystone habit. (laughs) Let me throw this out at you. Waking up early, that's a keystone habit. When you wake up at 7 a.m., and for some of you think that's that's early, that 7 a.m. is not early. Um, if you wake up at 7 a.m., you probably wake up in a rush. If you have kids, your kids are probably already awake. 
That means they're already stressing you out. They've already making noise. When you get woken up by your kids doing bad things or loud things or, you know, destructive things that puts you in a bad mood right away, you're not going to get up and spend any quality time with the Lord. You're going to wake up anxious, frustrated, and your day's going to start that way. And it's probably going to compound from there. When you're anxious and frustrated and stressed, you're going to go to sugar. You're going to eat bad food. And you're going to get more stressed and more anxious. And it's a compounding cycle. When you're eating bad and you're stressed out, you're not going to work out. And this is going to flow in literally into every area of your life. You're going to be a less um, controlled parent, a less gentle parent. You're going to be, you're not going to have the self-control that you want. And it, you, you, you think you're out of control uh, and your life is out of control when reality is it started with one keystone habit. You're not waking up early. Now, I am a type of person that didn't think I could wake up very early. I usually wake up about, for the past several years, I've woken up about 6.15 most days, and then I have a 6 a.m. meeting one day a week, and I wake up about 5.30 for that day. I'm always tired at night. Uh, I didn't think, I work out pretty hard. I thought, you know what, I have so so high energy, I just need that much sleep. I go to bed 10.30 usually at night. Um, And then I started thinking about this and seeing the things that I wanted to accomplish. I said, all right, you know what, I'm going to start waking up really early like 4.30 early and see if I can do it. And one of the things that I noticed, now I also changed my diet at the same time. I stopped eating sugar. I'm on the, the um, keto diet. I woke up and literally, guys, I, I'm waking up at 4.30 a.m. Been doing it for like, whatever, a month now. And I am uh, no more tired in the afternoon or evening than I was when I was sleeping till six, when I was uh, getting up at 6.15. And I'm still going to bed you know, between 9.30 and 10.30 at night. I discovered for me that waking up early is a keystone habit. I wake up early. I spend the first hour, for me personally, in reading my Bible and reading a book. I'm trying to get through Calvin. One of my goals this year was to get through, an intellectual goal for me was to get through Calvin's Institutes. It's a daunting book. I tried in the past. I got about 50% through, couldn't make it. Um, now for the past three weeks, I've been reading it. I'm already 70% through it. <clears throat> so, I'm reading, I wake up early, get my coffee, my bulletproof coffee, um, get my, either for me, I like to sit in a hot tub, but right now I've had knee surgery, so I can't do that. So I'm in my, in my chair. Nobody else in the house is awake. I'm drinking my coffee. I'm reading my Bible. I'm doing the M chain Bible reading plan. Cause I want to get through the old Testament once the new Testament twice and Psalms twice in a year. <clears throat> so I'm doing that. Then I'm reading, um, about 20 minutes worth of John Calvin's institutes spending about 10 or 15 minutes in concentrated prayer. I'm always praying as I'm reading through scripture and reading the Bible. Then for me personally, one of the goals that I've had, I've gotten injured and so I need to start stretching more. So I'm spending an hour in the morning stretching, um, something I've never done and I hate doing, but that's how I'm starting my day and I'm feeling better about it. And then I get to work, um, I see the kids when they wake up, um, helping my son even do a little workout before school because he's been wanting to do that. (coughs) Excuse me. Then I get to the office by 8 a.m. and I get after it at the office. I work hard. I go to jujitsu around lunchtime. Um, come home, have a shake, have my first meal of the day. Um, uh, um, that shake is usually my first meal of the day. I break my fast um, around one o'clock every day. Um, take a shower, get back to the office, um, work in the work the afternoon. Come home, spend time with the family, eat a good dinner with my wife and kids, do devotions. Uh, with the kids, take my kids to wrestling practice and do all the family stuff, go for a walk, do whatever we can do, family devotions with the kids before bed, put the kids in bed, man and I uh, cool down, maybe have a nightcap, um, talk for a little bit, and boom, back to bed, right? So what? why am I sharing this with you? I'm not saying you need to copy my rhythm. I'm saying waking up early is a keystone habit that is a positive habit that that sets my whole day in a positive direction, right? Waking up, and I do, you know what I decided? I'm doing it every day. Even on my day off, I wake up early and I do my same rhythm. I feel better in the same exact rhythm every single day. Now my days change a little bit, but my morning ritual stays the same. So uh, for you, I'm saying maybe that's the keystone habit, just waking up early. And it might take you six months to figure out the tactics to enable you to do that right? 
I know people that do all kind of things. I know people that jump up and take a shower right away. That's the first thing you need to do. One minute in the shower, a couple minutes in the shower wakes them up enough and they can actually look forward to a hot shower in the morning that can get them out of bed, right? It might be a cup of coffee. Um, it might be a workout. Some people can go straight to the gym. I'm not that type of person. I, if I go straight to the gym, I, that amps me up, that pumps me up. And then I'm running at a 10 all day and I can't actually settle myself down to read and to pray and to be contemplative. I need to start slower with the Lord. And then once I ramp myself up with at work and I, you know, I can kind of, I can kind of get after it. All right. So that's some of my stuff that I'm doing. I, I share that with you. I hesitate to share that with you because I don't want you to try to copy it, but I hope it inspires you. And I've been practicing different things for a long time, trying to figure out what works for me. And this might work for me for six months. And then I have to change up some tactics. That's the nature of the beast. Okay. So start with some keystone habits. Maybe it's working out. Maybe it's reading my your Bible. Maybe it's waking up early. And I think waking up early is a great one to start with because that can one, there's no excuses. All right. No, that's not true. Here's the one excuse. If you have young kids, if you have young kids who are still waking up in the middle of the night, that would be a, a, a compelling reason why you, you know, maybe you can't do it. Um, I've just gotten out of that season. We still get woken up. And honestly, since I started this, this waking up at 4.30, one, there was New Year's Eve. We stayed up late. My wife had a gig. Um, I, got, I only got like three and a half hours sleep that day. You know what? Honestly, I was tired the next day. I took a nap later in the afternoon, but I, I lived. I was okay. Another night, we had a child come in our room up all night, three hours a night. I only got three hours of sleep. I still woke up. I still did it. Um, you know, I, I was a little tired that day, but honestly, I just had an extra coffee in the afternoon and I was okay. Uh, but if you have a child consistently waking you up, I, I would agree that you probably can't do this. But <clears throat> if you're through that stage and you've gotten past it, waking up early is a keystone habit that can open up a whole new area of your life. You you could have literally, you know, two hours before anybody else in the house wakes up. That's plenty of time to read, plenty of time to pray, plenty of time to get a workout in, plenty of time to journal, plenty of time to, uh, you know, whatever, uh, res- even do some work. I don't know. Like th- that, that's a keystone habit that could open up your life and enable you to accomplish so much more and, and do some things that you, you've always wanted to, but you haven't had the time to do. Okay. So one, take stock of your level of discipline. You got to know where you're at. Uh, if you can only bench press 50 pounds, you know, you don't put 200 pounds on the bar. You don't start, start strong. You start small. Secondly, start with one or two keystone habits. Prayerfully, start with these habits. Get out. And then three, get after it. Right? Believe the gospel get to work. When you fail, repent and believe the gospel again. Get back up, brush yourself off, and make every effort to grow into godliness, to supplement your faith with virtue in the new year. All right, guys. So I hope this has been uh, productive and helpful for you. Um, Again, I gave you that worksheet that you can kind of work through and hopefully that uh, will help you put it in writing and then maybe even track um, some of your goals, track some of your tactics, what doesn't work, what does work. Um, you can look into getting a daily planner that helps you do that. <clears throat> I use the uh, full focus planner and that's been helpful for me. Um, but I just wanted to help us think through a process for becoming the better you in 2019. I hope it was helpful. Guys, if I didn't explain something um, thoroughly, if you want some more information, please email me, justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. You can message us on Facebook, and uh, I would love to answer those questions. So hopefully this has been helpful for you guys. Um, I love you. Thank you for listening. God bless, and I'll see you in a few weeks.